Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. It is December 29th. It'll be the final podcast of 2023 for us. Yes. And what better time than now to discuss the college football playoff in its four-team form? That's right, for the last time. Yeah, next year at this time, we'll we'll be down to eight. We would have already had our first round games. Uh and so we'll have to, you know, have to do our playoff look ahead earlier in the calendar next year. But for the for the last time, we get a four team playoff. Um. So just to recap, you've got Michigan, Alabama, and then Texas, Washington, three unbeaten teams in Alabama. Um, two. Texas is an unbeaten. Sorry, two unbeaten. I'd like, I'd like to say that they were, but they did lose to Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, there were three unbeaten teams. Freudian yeah. slip there, maybe. That you know, I, That's where I was going. One uh, of them not allowed to play because they lost their quarterback. Because, well, as we all know, when your backup quarterback is in, you stink. No well, team I mean, has he, ever won and anything now with he's a backup trans- quarterback. And now he's transferring. So He is transferring. He wouldn't be if they were in the playoff. <laughs> no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that. They're probably going to get bludgeoned tomorrow, um, and unfortunately, the lazy, you know, reaction will be, "Well, see, they didn't deserve it," because most people won't watch and realize that they're missing, you know, the top two quarterbacks, top two running backs, top two receivers, tight end, uh, you know, best defensive player, probably two or three other starting defensive players. But you know, other than that, yes, it'll be an accurate representation of what Florida State was all year. Yeah. Um. We've gone in depth on the Florida State being left out. So let's focus on who's in. You've got a pretty compelling Michigan-Alabama game, which, you know, I think is where a lot of the eyeballs are going to be in terms of the casual analysis. Yeah, yeah. Rose Bowl, two two very well-known coaches, um, which, you know, for me doesn't, matter quite as much i mean i follow college football close so you know the players are big names but you know college sports always tends to magnetize the coaches because they're there longer you know uh alabama has a big time player for three four years they have nick saban now for what 16 years or something like that so we we know him we know harbaugh they're well known uh and i don't believe they've ever gone up against each other have they i think this is the first time i believe so um, at least at these schools, uh, maybe I don't know if in the past, uh, but I don't think so. I mean, Harbaugh wasn't an NFL coach when Saban was. No, so I'm not and, sure. I don't think USD, they would have coached against each other there, and I don't think Stanford ever played Alabama when he yeah, was there. And USD didn't play. No, Alabama, no. So. so yeah, I mean, it's been a matchup that I think has been thought of, uh, you know, as they've been close to meeting here or there. But you know, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, I. You know, I understand Alabama getting in. Certainly everyone understands Michigan getting in. Yeah, yeah. They, on paper, are, you know, an incredibly compelling matchup between top teams. I'm curious, though, with all of the Michigan off-field stuff, hasn't it seemed like They've done the no one believes in us for being undefeated number one in the country pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's it's interesting with them because, 
you know, they kind of had that chip on their shoulder all year. Uh, you know, Harbaugh gets suspended at the start of the year for the, you know, the recruiting stuff. And, and it kind of, you know, and then I think with everything at the end, and it almost seems like toward the end, they, they ran out of gas a bit. Now they, they won, they still beat Ohio state, but they weren't as, you know, strong. It didn't seem like, uh, you know, um, and, and so I wonder, and I think this is a big question for me on the game is like, okay, have they had a chance to recharge and, and do they have that gas back in the tank of, you know, everybody thinks Alabama's going to beat us. Uh, you know, everybody thinks we're, you know, we cheated, blah, blah, blah. We'll show you. Or, you know, did the gas run out and, and they're just going to kind of be flat. I, I would be surprised if they're flat, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like they've you know, just, they just, they spent all of ride that way forever. You know, eventually the, the emotion wears off one way or the other and you just got to go do it. Yeah. And I, and I think where I land on this and I know it's no longer perfect. It's no longer what it once was, but when you have all of the time in the world to prepare, mm-hmm. I still don't think there's a better college coach than Nick Saban. I mean, you know, his record with with multiple weeks to get ready for a postseason game is pretty good. They, you know, he he lost the, the in the very first fourteen playoff they lost to Ohio State. Yeah, but I think other than that, when they've made the playoff, they've at least made the the title game. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. they missed it a couple of times, you know, altogether. But like. Uh, I don't. I think that's their only semifinal loss, and he was also undefeated in BCS title games um, in LSU and Alabama. So yeah, his his record is pretty. I mean, his record is good in all circumstances. That's how he's as successful as he is. But certainly, when when given you know three to four weeks to prepare, uh, he's he's a lot and one from. I don't I don't know the exact mm-hmm. number, but uh, you know. He won what four BCS titles, I believe, three mm-hmm. three at Alabama and or three at Alabama and one at LSU, and then however many playoffs they've been in, which it's hard to hard to remember. It's been that many. Yeah. Um, they you know they lost that semifinal the first year, and after that, it's been you know at least make it to the title game, if not win it. And, and because of that, plus what you said about Michigan and the emotional roller coaster they've been on, I am strongly inclined to take Alabama here and I will. I, I just think yeah, that it's Yeah. It's not what I want. I mean I, I, I would like to see Michigan win as a just a rooting interest, but I agree with you. It just it just feels like they've kind of found their stride. Now it's always interesting, you know, like you have momentum and you you know, then you have four weeks off and like what happens with that. But as as we just discussed, like his teams haven't really been affected by that much. Uh, he seems to have the right recipe to handle that. So yeah. they found their stride, and Michigan may have hit its stride in, in October. Um, I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks Michigan's going to come out and, like, really have a, a you know, a prove-it sort of because, you know, they lost the semifinal the last two years. They got beat bad by Georgia. They got beat by TCU in a kind of a shootout game last year, but a game they they were outplayed. Uh, you know, they, they probably – should have lost by more. Um, and it just feels like, you know, this is like, okay, you know, tell them what they can't do and they, and they get that chip on their shoulder, but it just doesn't feel like a great matchup for them. No, no. And I, 
I think it's one of those things too where like like you said, eventually the steam runs out. You know, the air comes out of the balloon and when you just line it up does. across from each other, you know Yeah. I just yeah. Alabama's got, you know, NFL guys too deep. They do. They do. Now Michigan does too. I mean, this is a, this is a, you know, like there's a lot of NFL prospects on the Michigan roster. Uh, you know, guys, I mean, like there's a thought that they'll, you know, they'll have the most, you know, draft picks of any school in this upcoming draft. So, uh, you know, uh, they don't, they may not have the first rounders as much as, you know, Alabama does, but they've got a lot of depth. Um, I also do wonder, you know, that, that injury in the Ohio state game, cause Zach Zinter, could be one of those that, like, unless you're really a football junkie, you're not going to think about it. But he's a he's a huge piece of their offensive line, and that's that's their identity. You know, running the ball and passing off of the run game, and and if they can't run the ball as well, it's a it's a tough road to hoe. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So I think it's going to be Alabama. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, I, I am I am rooting for Michigan. I'd like to see them win. I don't have the same, uh, you know, enmity toward Alabama that I used to. But, if, you know, fan interest, I, I would be for for Michigan because, you know, it, as I, we kind of talked about, I think Florida State's going to lose. And then if Alabama wins, then we're going to have the, you know, very easy and lazy, I believe, take of, you know, we'll see Alabama was better than Florida State. Like, well, they didn't play each other at full strength, so we'll never know. But, you know, that'll be the conclusion. So let's flip over to the other game. You've got Texas against a nobody school. Uh, at least that's Washington's perception of how they're being treated. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Another, another. Uh, now, I mean, look, you can find motivation any way you want. They're underdogs, even though they're the higher seed, even though they're the unbeaten team. They were underdogs to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, even though they'd beaten them once. So I get it, you know, they, just like you said, the Michigan play the nobody believes in us card, um, you know, that that's a powerful motivator because, I mean, Georgia did it last year. Georgia was pretty much number one the entire year as the defending champ. And yet when they won, we heard a lot of nobody believed in us. No one thought, like, who, who were these people that didn't believe in Georgia? But I guess Washington has a little more legitimacy to that. Yeah. Washington absolutely does because, like you said, they've been the underdog in the conference title game after being, you know, the, the Washington undefeated season just feels like a, you know, a series of almost near miss type of games. But yet here they are. Here they are. <laughs> I mean, it's a similar type season. I, I've got a different perspective on it because it's Pac-12 and I followed them closer, but kind of similar to TCU last year. In that, you know, like GCU had a lot of games that they could have lost. And they played a lot of close games. And like, well, they can't really be this good. Somebody's going to beat them. And eventually someone did. Kansas State did in the Big 12 title game. But it didn't matter. They still mm-hmm. got in. Nobody has beaten Washington. I mean, they, they seem to play to the level of their competition. Mm-hmm. They, you know, easily could have lost to ASU. Uh, played a, you know, rough game against Stanford. Two of the worst teams in the conference. Could have lost both of those, and yet, you know, beat Oregon twice, went on the road to Corvallis and won, uh, beat Utah. I mean, it, you know, they, they've beaten everybody in front of them. It's not always the prettiest, but they've gotten it done. Well, and here's where my lazy analysis comes in, but 
they, they are a team that's comfortable in a tight game because yeah. they've just been yeah. in tight games all year. For sure, for sure. Now, I think Texas will be too because Texas played a lot of, uh, you know, closer games, uh, had, had a stretch there in October and November where they would get up by three touchdowns and then by the fourth quarter it would be down to a one-score game and they'd have to hang on. Um, so, so neither team has, has, you know, had a ton of blowouts. They've, you know, they've had to, they've had to win games late and make plays late. So it shouldn't, I don't know if that's an advantage or disadvantage to either. I think it's kind of a, kind of a wash in this one. Yeah. I guess the difference to me is Washington appears to have had to, to stay in games, whereas Texas has gotten out to leads and then sort of taken their foot off the gas. And and Washington is a team that I think. You probably can't do that with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an interesting matchup for Texas because the the strength of the defense is their run defense, and I mean Washington is a is a very good passing team. They have a good run game too. Yeah, I mean, but Washington they, basically just would pref- if they could, they would pass it fifty times a game. Yeah, yeah. It feels. I mean, there were games late in the year where I watched Washington and. Like, why aren't you just running the ball, man? You're doing it well, but it seems like, you know, their default is to throw. Uh, you know, late in games when they had a one-score lead, like, just just protect the ball, do the, you know, like, oh, no, no, we're going to – I mean, that Washington State game, like, they, they get in field goal range to win the game, and, you know, twice they threw it with Penix. Like, once he almost got picked. Like, what, what are you doing? So they like to throw it, and – you know, if, if Texas has a defensive liability, I think it is the pass game. Oklahoma threw it well on them and, and you know, beat them. That's their only loss. Uh, you know, and, and of course, when, when they beat Alabama, Alabama was not clicking the way they are in the pass game anywhere near it. So, uh, you know, that's the concern for me is, you know, rooting for Texas. Nothing against Washington. I like them. Um, but, you know, like Oklahoma State was a great matchup for them in the Big 12 title game because that's a running team. Like, man, that's what you want. And it, it bore out. This is the opposite. Yeah. I I mean, I picked Texas at the start of the year. So my my interest from when we talked about this has not changed. I, I, yeah. I would like to be right. Um, yeah. And, but, and you've got a chance. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I. Uh, you know, I'm rooting for Texas, and we haven't. You know, I've talked about the Texas defense. Um, I think the Texas offense should have a fair amount of success against. I mean, Washington's defense hasn't been great. They've been just good enough, basically. Like you know, if if, if the job called to give up 17, they'd give up 17, and if it called that they could give up 34, they'd give up 34. Mm-hmm. But it's been good enough to to win games. I mean, you know, they. The Utah game was a great example. Like, you know, that Utah scored like four touchdowns in a row on them, uh, you know, four consecutive drives in the first half, then they shut them out in the second. So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you can't quite figure them out. They're not dominant, but they, just like the whole team, they, they kind of have a knack for getting it done in the, in the most important moments. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit, because you've watched more Texas football than me. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yours has been hurt at times this year. They've had to go with the backup who's now in the transfer portal. Right. It's Arch Manning. Uh, it's Arch Manning taking all of the sta- all of the snaps. Uh, as a backup. As yes. a backup. So, <clears throat> I guess my question is, is there a fear, given that Arch Manning has not done much this year other than in a route, 
Um, if it came to him, I mean, I I know that's an I unfair mean, question because I think, if a, it gets I think to, it's a fear for all four teams, right? I was going to say, because if it gets to Penix's backup, Washington's in trouble. Right, you know? right. And, and you know, the number two for, for Washington also transferred, Dylan Morris, who was a, you know, a fifth-year guy. He's in the portal. So, so unless he's staying with the team through the playoff, which I don't think he is, I haven't heard one way or the other, but, you know, they would be at a true freshman third stringer essentially now as their backup too. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's a look. It's a concern um, because it's an unknown. Like he's he's taken. I mean, I think he got about 15 snaps against Texas Tech and a couple of kneel downs in the Big 12 title game. That's it. So you know, there's not much to go off of. You know, but I, I think that I think that applies to Michigan and Alabama too. I mean, if Milrow gets hurt or McCarthy gets hurt. Uh, you know they're they're probably in trouble as well. Is there anything from your time watching Texas that you think gives Washington an edge in in any side of the ball? Well, uh, the pass. I mean, you know what we kind of are. You know, Washington's passing game. I think will have success. I mean, I, I feel like it's a game that is going to be pretty high scoring. But is I was going to say, is Washington's passing game success? And I don't want to be flippant about this, but is it any more than just how, you know, college football is now in terms of like in a normal game, you know, Texas is going to do yes. that? I mean, I see what you mean. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I think, yes, just, you know, the, the three receivers they got are also good. And I mean, Penix kind of plays with, with like a, 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 almost a reckless abandon in a way. I mean, he doesn't throw a lot of picks, but but he'll put the ball up for grabs. Like he he's very confident, and he'll throw it down the field. It's not a lot of like dink and dunk, you know, uh, screen game stuff. It's it's getting the ball down the field. I mean, I I joked with with the you know uh, another friend of mine earlier in the year watching them that like you know if Al Davis was still alive, he would love to take Michael Penix and have him play for the Raiders. Because he's he's a born Oakland Raider, uh, you know he'll he'll throw it downfield. It doesn't matter if it's double coverage. He's going to give his guy a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think they're going to have success with that. But I think I think Texas will will score a lot of points too. I mean I I feel like it's a game that could could be a lot like Ohio State Georgia last year in the second game of the day that was you know both teams in the forties. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me if it was that type of game. Yeah. I want to digress well, and, and, and get to our picks before we get yes. back into the weeds. Sure. I'm going to take Texas because I want to honor my pick, but I will say that my rooting interest continues to be whoever comes out of this game over whoever comes out of Michigan Alabama. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm taking Texas, too. I, you know, my initial reaction when the matchups were announced, you know, that, like that night – you have a little time to think about it was that I, I thought the lower seeds would win. And I still think that now sometimes we, I mean, I shouldn't say we, I, but I think a lot of fans do it. You know, you, you get to be like a little bit of prisoner of the moment, you know, and it's like, well, Alabama beat Georgia. Oh, there's a, you know, and we forget that a week before they should have lost to Auburn, but for a miracle throw on a, you know, fourth and 31. Uh, you know, and and so it becomes the trendy like, well, nobody's going to beat them, but just it just feels like those two teams are playing their best. I mean, Texas looked so good those last couple of games. You know, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. 
I know those aren't great teams, but Oklahoma State, pretty good. Top, you know, 15 team in the country this year. They dominated them. It feels like, just like Alabama, like they're kind of hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah. Offensively, especially, which is impressive given, you know, they've had some injuries. I mean, Jonathan Brooks was such a big, big piece for them, you know, the first two thirds of the season at the running back spot. And he tears his ACL and they, they really haven't missed a beat. Like, you know, a freshman and, a, and, a, and another backup has stepped in and, you know, they've they've continued to produce. And, you know, I mean, Sark is a head coach. There's questions. They've been answered some this year, but there's still questions. But man, as a as an offensive play caller or schemer, I don't I don't think there's much to question about the guy. He he knows how to draw up an offense with the best of them. I absolutely agree. It's um it is fascinating to see what he and Lane Kiffin will do, you know, the next few years in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, like he's, you know, the, I remember the offense with, with Alabama, you know, he was the coordinator in 2020 when, you know, Devontae Smith won the Heisman and, you know, Jalen Waddle gets hurt that year and it's like, well, you know, they're going to, I mean, he, he just kept finding ways to scheme Smith open and get him the ball. And, you know, Mac Jones had a great year and we've, we've since seen that maybe Mac Jones isn't as good as we thought. Maybe that was, maybe that was scheme. A little bit, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, he had a great year, not taking anything away from him, but like credit where it's due that maybe, maybe they put him in the right position to succeed. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's again, as a head coach, his record is a little spotty. Um, you know, he never got really much over the hump at Washington. USC was only there for a year and a half. So there's not a whole lot to judge. Um, you know, this year answers some of those questions, but man, again, as a, as an offensive coordinator, which he is for them too, you know, he calls the plays. I, I, I trust him to put them in position to succeed. Uh, and, and, you know, I think Washington's defense is fine, but it's not a dominant group. And I, I, so I think they should be able to have success, but could it be a 45, 42 type of game? I, I kind of think, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk big picture bowls for a second. With sure, you. sure. So <clears throat> now that we are most of the way through bowl season, we've got the big bowl games left starting today. Basically. Yes. Um, the noticeably absent guys from teams where they are critical to their success. For example, right now, Cotton Bowl, Ohio State, uh-huh. Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing. Uh-huh. Does it diminish for you any desire to watch the games or any interest in the games? I think, I mean, it's a great question. Um, I, I diminish, I don't know if diminish is the word, but it certainly affects it. Um, I, I think, I think bowl games have reached the point for me where you just have to know what they are and what they aren't. And what they aren't is what they used to be. Like they're they're not one of the most important games of the season. In fact, for most teams, they're one of the least important games. Um, you know, they're more of a you know a chance to maybe see some of your depth, some of your young guys for the next year. Um, and and you know, let's be honest. Outside, I mean, for most of the games, and we can discuss this. Like you know, like the the draw is is you know the pop tart mascot or the Duke's Mayo, 
And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, was I amused by the Pop-Tart mascot last night? I was. I'll, I'll admit it. I was amused. Have I looked at the tweets and laughed? Yeah. Is it a good thing for college football that that's what's getting them, you know, so much notice during the postseason? I'm not sure. Maybe it is. You can convince me it is. But uh, you could also convince me it's not. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's kind of... I'm of a mind that, like, I don't really watch these now unless it's background. Yeah. Because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It like, doesn't, it doesn't no. I mean, you know, it, it like the really Cotton Bowl not. used to matter, but this Cotton yeah. Bowl, it's like, whatever, like. I mean, if I asked you who won the Cotton Bowl last year or who was in the Cotton Bowl last year, would you know? No. I wouldn't either. I, I probably watched it. I know it was not a playoff game. The playoff games were Peach and the Fiesta. I could tell you who was in those, and I could tell you who won. I mean, we already talked about it earlier in this conversation. Um I, yeah, off the top of my head, I could not tell you who was in the Cod Bowl last year. Um, I'm thinking about it, and I'm blanking. So, you know, a a year from now, will we remember Missouri and Ohio State? Probably not. Um, You know, I don't know. The the opt-outs are a part of it. They they are. And, I mean, it's interesting you bring it up because – you know, God, it, it doesn't seem like very long ago, and it truly wasn't. It was seven years ago that Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey both decided to sit out their bowl games. And you remember, like, sort of the vitriol that, that came at them because well, of that it decision? A, it was a PTI topic. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, I mean, it, columns you know, all around the country. Yeah. And now it's now it's not just... I mean, you you said you know you talk about Marvin Harrison like okay Marvin Harrison probably going to be a top five pick in the draft I get it but it's way beyond just first round picks I mean it's it's guys who are going to be day three picks if that are sitting out bowl games and it's just kind of like accepted and and I mean I'll say again I'm not going to say I think that's terrible I'm not I'm not preaching oh, like no. oh I my god this is the demise of of competitiveness in the world. It's just wild how quickly the the feeling changed. We went no. from like, oh my God, how dare you, to like, yeah, sure, that's just how it is. No, I, I think it's absolutely correct for It certainly is for player. top guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if, you're, I mean if you got a chance to be a first-round pick, I, I would not advise playing in a bowl game unless you're in the playoff. No way. Just too much risk. Yeah. I mean, when, it's... It's, to me, the mid-tier teams. Like, it's not even the guys who are sitting because they're going to go for the draft. It's like, well, this, you know, our top players are in the transfer portal. I mean, right. sure, we made this bowl game, but we're a small school and we've, we're losing all these guys. They're not here. Right. It's like, well, right. I, right. you know, I wasn't I mean, that excited about the, you know, Fenway Bowl anyway, but why I am agree. I, you know, why am I here now? I agree. No, I'm... I'm... I'm with you. I mean, that goes back to kind of what we talked about the last time, which is like, it does feel like you've got to make an adjustment in the calendar. I mean, to have the, the, you know, the draft is one thing. Guys going to, you know, you're a senior or you're going to the draft like that, you know, but to have the transfer time 
be before the Bulls is basically is basically a, a waving the white flag that the Bulls don't matter. Mm-hmm. And so, like my thought, like let's take it a step further. If you transfer, let make him eligible. Let him play in the Bulls. You know, like if we're going to do this, if we're going to keep this, you know, if if Dylan Gabriel transfers to Oregon, I mean, now Bo Nix is apparently going to play, but like, let's say he made the decision not to play. Let Dylan Gabriel play for Oregon in the bowl. Who cares? We're we're basically admitting that it's not part of the season anymore anyway by opening the transfer portal, you know, after the conference championship game. So let's just let's just make it part of next season. Well, and this to me goes to the other question that we talked about at times before, which is why not just get suspended? Like just play like the bowl game doesn't matter, so play Dylan Gabriel. And if you win <laughs> or lose Yeah. Like Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's true. Yeah. And I mean, the Bulls are not technically part of the NCAA, so you want to hang a banner, hang a banner. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's an irony to me, and I don't know if I'm using the term irony correct, but like when when we were kids, you know, bowl games, first of all, felt like a pretty big deal, but the stats and stuff didn't count toward the season, and I always found that the weirdest thing. You know, like Ron Dane at the Copper Bowl, it didn't count toward his season. Now they do. That started in the last 20 years, and it's like, well, they shouldn't. We should go back to not counting them toward the season because they're essentially exhibitions the, the teams, I mean, you know, Notre Dame played today and they put up a stat, you know, uh, 90% of their passing yards, 67% of their rushing yards, and 64% of their receiving yards this season not playing in the game. That's not Notre Dame of 2023. That's that's some guys wearing a Notre Dame uniform. And, and they played well and they won. Great. But, it, but it's not representative of what they were all season. Yeah, it's just guys on scholarship. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's guys who may play big roles next year, and that's why I'm like, you know what? Let's just let's just open it up. You know, if you're an incoming freshman and you're going to enroll early, let's let them play. Why not? You know, like, but but if if uh, uh, you know a quarterback, you know, wants to, you want to get him some reps in a bowl game, and he just joined your team, you know, last week, like, why not? But, you know, like let's just let's just go all in. Because, you know, every year now there's this, you know, this push among some of the media that you get both the, you know, they show some kid who's barely played and he's, you know, crying as they walk off the field. And like, well, see, these games matter. It's like, sure, they matter to the guys who are playing in them. No one's no one is arguing that, I don't think. No one is saying that, that the people who put the pads on and play don't, don't care. care. Exactly. But big picture, they don't matter. You know, we don't remember who wins. No one will remember who won the Pop-Tarts Bowl. We'll remember the, the crazy mascot dancing around with the ref and then going down into a fake toaster and, and you know, being consumed. Like, we'll remember that because it's kind of fun. So let's just make it fun. Let's just go all in on the fun element. Stop the, you know, like, this is serious competition, too. Like, like, like let's just have fun with it. Well, and that's where I kind of have landed in watching this is, like, I... I've kind of stopped any bowl watching uh, that's not just background noise because it's it's foolish to, to think of it as a serious game. Now, you know, your point about it's serious for the people who play is absolutely sure. correct and sure. well taken. But yeah. so is, you know, Alaska high school football. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't or know. Or basketball. Yeah. 
or you know, yeah, Division Three football. Like, yeah, it, it, it is, but we don't watch Division Three football, except maybe the championship game that's on TV in December or something like that. Uh, you know, so yeah, yeah I mean, I, like, I don't know. I, I, then there's then there's also the you know the say, uh, well, if you if you think there's too many bowl games, you hate fun. Like, no, again, like I'm all for it. I'm all for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I'm all for the Pop-Tart. Like, let's just have fun with it. But let's stop treating them like, you know, let's, let's, in that same vein, let's do away with the bowl bonuses for coaches. Let's, let's do away with the, you know, the notion that, well, we made a bowl X number of years in a row. They don't matter. Let's stop pretending they do. Let's just, let's just treat them like fun, like, like a spring game almost. It happens. It's enjoyable. We can sit back, relax, and watch on December afternoon. We can watch the, you know, the Relia Quest Bowl and try to figure out where that game is actually played and what what it was called before. And you know, we can entertain ourselves. It works, but but let's not make it any more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just a, a factor of like, let's watch the games because the guys who are playing are playing hard. Sure. But it it's you know this isn't like you said Ohio State of twenty twenty three or Notre Dame twenty twenty three. It's not. Yeah, I mean, and Ohio State has a pretty good sample in this game, but their starting quarterback isn't there. He's transferred. Uh, their number one receiver sitting out. Their number three receivers transferred. You know, so so even with Travion Henderson and Abuka and you know Tui Moloau and Jack Sawyer and some guys that you wouldn't normally expect to be playing in a game like this that kind of surprisingly are, it's still not the full Ohio State team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it's a very... The bowl season is, is like, a very interesting sort of push-pull because, you know, it's programming during a time of year when ESPN, which has almost all the bowls, except for, I think, two, is, is desperate for programming. They're, they're talking heads one time off, so they don't want to just air, you know, PTI and Around the Horn and all the talkie hosts because, you know, everybody wants time off this time of year. So you put on bowl games from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and people like me, I'll raise my hand, and many others will turn it on, just like you said, as background. Like, it's it, there may not be truly invested in it. They may not be following every play like they would on a college football Saturday in November, but it's on, and does ESPN care if you're really paying attention, or is it just on? No, the, the numbers count the same whether you whether you're invested or not. Yeah. So they're good for TV. Most of them are poorly attended. I mean, I went to the guaranteed rate bowl. It actually wasn't bad. A lot of Kansas fans were there, but it still was far from full. But it's like that doesn't even matter. The in-person attendance is is. I don't even want to say secondary. It's it's like the fifth or sixth concern. Like if it's on TV and, and people are tuning it on, then it's good. We're not we're not getting rid of bowl games. The whole notion of cutting back on bowl games, we might as well throw that out. It's not happening. Yeah, no, we're not going to cut back on bowl games. It's just they don't matter. For they don't. Like they don't. The no, and I think fan. if we can all just kind of like reach an understanding with that we'd be better off. Like, again, lean into, I mean, you know, part of me, I think five years ago, I might have thought the Pop-Tart thing was stupid and been like, oh, my God, remember these games mattered. 
I've sort of just like accepted it. They don't matter anymore. They're they're the equivalent of a spring game or spring training baseball or what. Like you know, we're not going to remember the outcome, but we don't go to spring training baseball to remember who won. We we go to you know be entertained, sit out in the sun. Uh, we maybe turn it on TV in the background on a March day because there's nothing else on during the day. Like that's kind of what what bowl games are now. And so like let's just let's just put our arms around that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with all of that said, if we both are going with Alabama, Texas for the game yeah. that does matter at the end of this, yeah. really the yeah. only three bowl games that do, um, for this year, that is yeah. one change that will come, you know, at the, now the, now, you know, now we'll have seven. We'll have the quarterfinals too. Um, who do you have for the title? Obviously, uh, subject to change. Yeah. I mean, in my heart, Texas. In my head, probably Alabama. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. This is one of those where, like, I, I want Texas to, to win against Washington no matter what. I'll root for them. But if I'm glad that Michigan-Alabama is the first game and that I'll know who the winner of that is first. Because I really don't want a Texas Alabama rematch. That's that's not that's not something I'm pining for. If it happens, it happens, you know, and if they beat him again, great. But, you know, like if Michigan wins, I'm a hundred percent like, come on, Texas, let's go, let's get Texas, Michigan. That sounds like a great game. If Alabama wins, I'll be a little bit more like, Yeah, I want Texas, but if Washington wins, all right, I can live with it. It'll take the emotion out of the championship game for me. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'll be interested, but I won't be, like, super fired up. But I don't know, man. I, like, I'm torn. Uh, part of me, I mean, I saw Alabama in person in that SEC title game, and and they looked really good. And I thought, you know, like, based on that, it's like, I think they could win the whole thing. And then I go back to that game seven days prior when they couldn't, you know, move the ball in the second half against a 6-6 six and six Auburn team, and I think – well, which, which is the right team? What, what are they? Uh, and that's the beauty of college football. I guess we don't know. You only get 12, 13 games, so you can have both. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll root for whoever. Uh, whoever comes out of Texas, Washington. I, I, yeah. If it is Texas, I will root for Texas over Alabama. I think that will be a more competitive game than Washington, Alabama would be. Yeah. Um, because I, for as much as I said, you know, they play the no one believes in us card. <laughs> I, I don't really believe in Washington against Which, either of those uh, you know, teams. You know, they'd be, they'd be pretty sizable underdogs, probably, you know, seven or so points, I bet. And they would be able to play that card again. Like, I mean, Washington, you know, could potentially be the first, you know, 15 and 0 team that that you know wasn't favored in any of their big games all season. Yeah. I mean, geez, they weren't they were underdogs at Oregon State. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, not even like another top 10 team. They they went into that game as as betting line underdogs. Yeah. Crazy. So, who knows? We'll we'll see. I mean, that's the you know, that's the beauty like is the 14 playoff enough this year? It's not. I mean, you said like Alabama deserves to be in and I, I agree. But I also think Florida State does, and that's hard for me to, you know, like you can't fit five teams in a four-team playoff. 
But yeah. at least it's four and not two. Because, you know, if we if we still had the old system, we'd be looking probably at Michigan and Washington. And, you know, we wouldn't be able to see if Texas and Alabama are good enough to beat them. Yeah. Agreed. Um, well, hey, look, we will be back. We'll talk about what happened in those two games. We'll preview the championship. We'll talk about the NFL and its final sprint for the playoffs. And uh, who knows, maybe even talk about Pac-12 basketball for the final time. But it, it's pretty much Arizona <laughs> by themselves and that. So. It kind of feels like it. Yeah, it's, it's grim. It's very grim. But uh, we, we start conference play tonight, don't we? We do. Stanford yeah. Cardinal. See how it goes. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.